welcome to the Happy Psychic Podcast with me, your guiding light, Gemma Lonsdale. I'm a clairvoyant life coach and two-time breast cancer survivor. And with this podcast, I'm going to take you on a journey of healing and personal growth. We're also going to explore the spirit realm together and what it's like to be a clairvoyant medium. Welcome to this episode of The Happy Psychic. And this week I am joined by Wenzel McGowan. So welcome, Wenzel. Thank you so much for having me. It is very good having you on the show. Now, I know that you had a spiritual awakening experience in 2013, and that was during a meditation retreat, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that has sort of led you on to writing and researching for a few books. You've got a board game. But I was very keen to understand a little bit more about your spiritual awakening and how that came about in the first place. What was your experience? What happened? For me, like what made me really passionate about exploring these experiences and creating paths for them was the fact that I didn't understand what was going on, but I was, I'm such a rational person and I wasn't able to surrender to the experience. And that brought about a lot of fear and confusion. Okay. So I think spiritual awakening experiences a process of the psyche of reworking itself, of upgrading your whole organism and of finding a way to be more free, more liberated, more loving and more creative. And I think when those experiences happen spontaneously, it often is connected with, you know, finding some sort of relationship with a higher power or finding feeling the visceral sense of eternity, of eternal existence. And so suddenly these massive questions become a direct experience. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really ready at the time to tackle these questions. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe that there was anything out there other than physical matter interacting with physical matter. But suddenly I was having experiences that made the universe seem alive and full of love, full of purpose, full of care. And those were things that I usually thought only crazy people believed in. So as you can see, I came from a very judgmental, rational mindset of, you know, I I thought people that had psychic abilities are lying. And I thought that anyone who had spiritual experiences is lying just to basically get recognition or sell a book or um, you know, have ulterior, ulterior motives. Yeah, I must admit, that, I was very, I was in a similar position to that actually, because I was very skeptical. I was always very skeptical, although I wanted to believe, and I liked the idea of there being something else. I just didn't know if it was accurate, or whenever I sat down with a psychic, that they were maybe trying to pull the wool over my eyes. Yeah. So yeah, I can completely understand Absolutely. where you're coming from. Yeah, and I think it's, it also makes sense because there are people like that, you know, like yeah. you do meet psychics that are really just wanting to make money or people that just wanting to sell a book and come up with some stories. So it's, it's sometimes hard to decipher the real from the not real Yeah, and the genuine from the not genuine. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to me, I mean, I don't know, it depends how intuitive you are, but, you know, if you're not awakened and you're just thinking everything through i think 
that was kind of my mode of operating before I had my spiritual awakening. So it's more like about, does this make sense? Does my mind yeah. agree with this? And yeah, I completely got it. Yeah. Very logical. Exactly was, yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's easy to get lost in that because reality is a lot more complex than mm. what we can think through. So what, what was it actually that you experienced? What was your spiritual awakening like and the mystical experience mm, or experiences sure. that you had? Well, I, I'm always careful about how I talk about it because I feel like as soon as I put words into my mouth, I'm basically lying because I think the experience itself is so beyond words. Mm-hmm. It's so beyond what I can think, describe, or comprehend. So it was more like the experience of just opening to a dimension beyond the intellect, beyond thoughts, beyond words, where telepathy was direct visceral experience, where direct knowledge was real, and where there was guides and evolved souls, for lack of a better word, that received me in that dimension and started transmitting information about the nature of reality and the nature of my predicament, how I have sort of deluded myself in this belief that I'm a mortal being. And was this during meditation? Was this actually when you were in a meditative state that this occurred? Yeah, but it wouldn't stop. Even when when I got up, it was like a permanent submersion into that reality for two weeks straight. (laughs) Like somebody had flicked a switch. <laughs> yeah, it was like suddenly a part of me turned on that couldn't be turned off again, mm-hmm. and and it's still on. It's now it's more just more normal to me. Yeah, it's like um, yeah. And how were you actually receiving the information through? You know, was it were you hearing? Were you seeing stuff? Did you just have a knowing? How no, did you I would, I would say it was it? more direct. It was more like telepathy. Yeah. Like sometimes I would hear words, but very mm-hmm. rarely. Most of the time it was more like, here is a massive insight. Mm-hmm. And here, like almost downloads, like I'm just yeah. receiving information. And, yeah. And, and then more like the process would be afterwards explaining what I already knew. So it was more like receiving information and then translating it into thoughts and language. Yeah. So it was almost like, um, yeah, coming from beyond language and thought. So it sounds like that was your one big experience. That was the one main experience that you had. Have you had other experiences since that? Outside of obviously this being an ongoing thing. Yes, I have. And in the beginning, they were more affirming that, this reality does exist, you know, like weird coincidences that you can't really explain. Like, for example, I mean, just the universe started getting very intentional and strange after that experience. Where, for example, I would be playing in the subway and had my saxophone case open. And I I had just a feeling that I wanted to not take the money that people give me. But I just thought, what would happen if I put up a sign that said, take what you need give what you can. And like, what would happen? Would people take the money from my saxophone case? Would they give money? A lot of people started giving 
and I had a pile of money. No one was taking. But then a homeless man comes by. He looks at the sign and is like, so I could take all of this? He said, well, if you need all of it, take all of it. He said, I'm homeless. I need all of it. So he takes literally the whole money, probably like $30, $40. And he's like, I can't believe this. And he just walks away. And I felt so elated and happy that all I'm doing is creating my art, creating my music. And I'm facilitating a transaction between people that have and people that need. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, how cool would it be if I create a website that's called giveandtake.com? I didn't have the exact idea, but I thought maybe somehow I can facilitate a platform where, can, where people can give and take. And then I went on giveandtake.com. Someone owned that website already. In fact, I'd written a book called Give and Take. Then I downloaded the book and I thought, well, maybe I might as well read that book. So I read the book. It was about this angel investor, David Hornick. And the next day, David Hornick reached out to my manager and flew me and my band to Hawaii to a conference to Mm -hmm. play. And I was like, how is that possible? First of all, (laughs) like, like, I didn't write this person. Like, I just downloaded their book. It wasn't even by David Hornick. It was about David Hornick. Yeah. So how did this coincidence happen that the next day I get invited to a conference? And, and then I'm at this conference. And I'm kind of like, why am I here? Like, obviously, there must be some sort of intention. And, and then I meet the founder of um, Coinbase, which is now like the biggest trading platform of Bitcoin. And that person is like, oh, you know, if you want to get really wealthy, you should buy Bitcoin now. It was like a few dollars Bitcoin at the time. And unfortunately, I, I didn't recognize that sign. Like if I would have just said, sure, I'll put a hundred bucks or like a thousand bucks into Bitcoin, I would have been able to have giveandtake.com and giving and taking millions, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> instead, I, I didn't get the sign. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I definitely... What it left me, however, with is that the universe works like that. It's yeah. like you put out an intention, especially if you're trying to help, if you're trying to help people. The universe is going to be, oh, cool, here's someone that helps. Um, let me help them. Yeah. And yeah. Like pay, paying it forward, I would class that as, you know, you, you have people do good deeds for you, so then you do good deeds for others. So you're always paying it forward and helping others yeah. out and then the universe will help you in return Um, it's it's funny actually that you talk about synchronicities and those weird coincidences happening because that was one of the major parts of my own spiritual awakening mm-hmm. Um, my mystical experience and I think that it's important for people that are listening and watching to be aware that actually it doesn't always happen where you're in a meditative state and all of a sudden you're meeting you know people from other realms it doesn't always yeah. start like that it can be more subtle and I use subtle with a bit of a you know it it might start out subtle for some people but then eventually it might end up that the universe is slapping you around the face with coincidences and weird things that are happening like you with the book and then the person that the book was about getting in touch the next day it's like in what world would that happen that's not that's not a coincidence that's you know the world is just toying with you a little bit you know they're like your guides or spirit Mm -hmm. or the other realms are sort of just having a bit of fun with you trying to say look this is real there's something here um Mm -hmm. but yeah i i just find the whole 
something fascinating that we have such varied experiences, but yet with so many similarities as well. And it's mm -hmm. just incredible. So you've done a lot of research actually as part of you know the preparation for your books, mm -hmm. but what have you found really about mystical experiences? What have been sort of the main points that um, you discovered? Can, can I go to, into that in a second? I want to yeah, first continue on what you started, which was, you know, that sometimes it's not always about going to these other realms and meeting guides and so on. I think this is also why I'm sometimes hesitant sharing my experience because some people think, oh, this is the real deal. Like this is what I should be aiming for, or this is the point. I don't think that's at all the case. I don't think it's the point to go into another dimension and have experiences with other dimensional beings. I think the real value in mystical experiences is to do it here and now, to address what's real in your body, in your reality. And, not, and I think it's easy to sometimes want to escape from our problems and run away into mystical realms and mystical dimensions and even to have an ego about it and be like, oh, you know, this is, this is like, look how enlightened I am of having these experiences and so on. So I think all of that misses the point. I think that it's, it's, mystical experiences don't have to be at all like um, about these other dimensions. I think that it can be much, it can also be just a, the shift of your perspective of what is important in life. And I don't think everyone needs a major um, event for that to happen. Like some mm -hmm. people can have a small thought like, oh, you know, I could be taking care of more. I could be taking more care of my friends. I could be more focused on serving others and then just walking towards that slowly. And I think that's really where the real value is. But mm -hmm. for some people, they're so stuck in their mind, like I was, that I really needed a major slap in my face to be like, okay, like this is totally, I was totally wrong. There's a lot more out there than I thought. Mm -hmm. I don't think everyone needs that major slap. I think a lot of people don't lose themselves to the extent that I've lost myself and, and don't need such a major slap in the face. <clears throat> but anyway, what I found about mystical experiences, they're very common. I didn't know how common they are. I think it's like something like 10% or something of people that that like have them. Um, I actually forgot the percentage, but it, it's it's pretty high. And and I think that I mean, there's many kinds. But there's near death experiences. There's out of body mm -hmm. experiences. Um, there's experiences you can have in hypnosis, and there's also mystical experiences induced by um, lucid dreaming. Um, which is kind of similar to out-of-body experiences. And there's also mystical experiences induced by psychedelic drugs or other drugs. But all of them can have something in common, which is the experience of this other dimensional reality in which unity and love is God. I mean, maybe no one would use those exact same phrases, but it's just an overall feeling of awe and just amazement and positive creativity and love 
of finding this eternal light, so to speak. Just a source of, of love and everything that is. And once you feel that source, it, is, it overwhelms you with the amount of power and um, creativity resides in that source. And so people coming back from those experiences are changed forever because suddenly like the average emotions that we go through during the day, they all seem relatively pale compared to the intensity and power that was felt during the mystical experience. And yet that experience lingers sometimes even as a heartbreak where you are heartbroken that you've left that reality and that you then feel inspired to grow into it and bring it to earth, so to speak. Yeah. And, and I think that's really, sorry, you were going to say something? No, no, continue, please continue. I'll and I really think that's quiet. then, you know, I think that's then the potential of the mystical experience is the dedication to doing the hard work to embody that love. Mm-hmm. And obviously for you, you know, it was back in 2013 that you had your spiritual awakening. You know, mm-hmm. how long did it really take you to get on board? Because you mentioned that a lot of the early stuff was, you know, the other realms and spirit reaffirming that this was all real. How long did mm-hmm. it really take you to fully trust in that? I mean, it's still an ongoing process in the sense that sometimes there's aspects of myself that you don't want to fully surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right after that experience, there was a, a shift where the majority of my being was like, okay, this is real. Mm-hmm. And, and then I had to prove it to the other parts of myself where I was like, well, if this is real, what does it mean? Like, mm-hmm. how do we make sense of matter? How do we make sense of quantum mechanics from this perspective? What is consciousness? What is the purpose of life? Um, and all these inter- intellectual questions started arising. And then, you know, it was a process of, and a dialogue with the aspects of myself that had already merged into that mystical reality to basically integrate back into logic and research. So through all of these mystical experiences that you have had, at any point, did you question your sanity? Did you wonder, are you crazy? Oh yeah, totally. That's the first thing I did. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm going crazy because to me, those experiences had no space. There was no, way I could explain them and people around me would have thought that that kind of thing is crazy. Mm-hmm. So since then, actually, I, I talked a lot to people that have intense spiritual awakenings. Some of them are in mental hospitals and because not always do you find the, you know, sometimes you have a spiritual awakening, but you're so traumatized, you're so unsupported, you're so unloved and you have no ability to integrate that kind of experience that you fall apart 
and yeah. those people ended up checking themselves in mental hospitals and yeah because I, I actually had a similar experience myself where I was hearing that much because I, I hear spirit and I see spirit and I don't have to be in a meditative state in order to receive the information through and I there was one evening on my journey where I actually thought to myself okay this is a bit worrying do I need to maybe go and speak to someone and I thought to myself yeah. Do I either phone like a psychiatric doctor or some kind of, you know, mental health helpline or I phone mm -hmm. a psychic <laughs> and I was torn between the two because I really was concerned <laughs> that maybe I needed, maybe I needed medical attention. Yeah. Maybe this yeah. was just me hallucinating or something like that. And that was mm -hmm. quite early on in my awakening. And even though, you know, spirit had, because I work predominantly with a, a number of guides who would be with me pretty much constantly whenever I would call on them. And I I, I yeah. was getting so much information through and even the amount of information that they had been giving me that would reaffirm that this was accurate. You know, they were giving me like predictions, you know, short term predictions that mm -hmm. yeah. this was going to happen. You know, my friend was purchasing a house at the time and they said to me, the house sale is going to go through. It's going to fall through. And fair enough, in two or three days time, she phoned me and she said, oh, it's fallen through. So they were giving me a lot of information to really help reaffirm that this is that this is actually real. Right. Um, yeah. But I still questioned my mental health wondered if I was going mm -hmm. crazy and it really has led me to wonder you know out of all of those people that are in a hospital or have the label schizophrenic how many of them mm -hmm. actually are ill or yeah. how many of them are connected to a higher power or communicating with other realms yeah it's such an important topic I'm glad you brought this up I don't think one excludes the other I think that the more traumatized you are, the more fear you have, and the less integrated you are. Um, and I think if, you ha if you're very sensitive and you have those abilities to connect to a larger field of consciousness, and at the same time you're very traumatized and very fearful, then your connection will be very frantic, chaotic, and paranoid. And then that might be called schizophrenia. But it still is the same thing as a healer, except it's not healed yet. And, for example, this woman I've been working with for 10 years, um, she called me out of a mental hospital because she lit her boyfriend's car on fire because the voices, the spirits she is hearing, told her to do so. And her... Um, my friend put me in touch with her because she was calling him and he was like, I can't, I can't help you. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with you. Call Wenzel. Maybe he knows something about it. And so I just started talking to her once a week, whenever she called, I'd pick up and be like, just like, what, what are you experiencing? And the only thing I would focus on is giving her reassurance and trust that those voices can be healed. And that she doesn't need to go into fear. And if, if the voices are going into fear and are telling her to light cars on fire or destroy things, that there she needs to stay centered and committed to love. At the same time, respect the voices and have compassion for them. Like that they're hurt, that they're, they're 
a lot of undigested trauma. And so over the last decades, just reaffirming that simple thing, right? Just holding love, observing, validating, um, understanding, like, like you would treat a good friend. Instead of being like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I'm hearing voices. I'm going crazy. I'll never be okay, right? Then you're just perpetuating fear. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, no, I'm going to stay in, in love. I'm okay. And those voices are hurt and they're freaking out and they're giving me really fearful advice or angry advice, which is the same, comes from trauma. Basically creating a boundary of just um, staying in love, staying committed to, to presence and not going into frantic loops. Yeah. And yeah, so over the next, over the last decade, those voices then turned positive they slowly started healing and now they're just almost guides. They're giving her great advice. They're giving her love and reassurance. And so this has really changed my perspective on it. And also listening and hearing people talk about the shamanistic worldview of mental illness. There's a great article called what a shaman sees in a mental hospital. And it's Malidame Patrisome, I think that's his name, he's a shaman from West Africa. And he goes to visit his friend, a mental hospital in America. And there he sees the spirits that are trying to merge with his friend, that are trying to help him come, step into his potential, that trying to help him become the bridge between the spirit world and the physical world. But instead he's in panic. And instead the doctors give him medications that dull the experience. So I think that the Western worldview sees mental illness as a permanent thing and don't recognize that mental illness is the opportunity to heal a connection to the spirit world. Yeah, that's a really nice way to look at it actually. Yeah, And, and that you can totally trust it and follow the process but at the same time, hold a firm boundary to stay in love when it becomes too chaotic. Because fear wants to create more fear. Yeah. And when you go into fear, your thoughts become fearful, the voices you hear become fearful, your emotions become fearful, and your reality becomes terrifying. So when that loop starts happening, it's important to have the trust and guidance. Someone has gone through it already, or maybe you have that faith on your own. I was fortunate that I somehow found that faith within me where I literally just chose love. And when my spiritual awakening became extreme chaotic, I started chanting in my head, I trust in love and life. I trust in love and life. And no matter what was being thrown at me, what terrifying visions and what crazy thoughts, I would stay committed to that. Trust and love and light. Yeah. And from that perspective, anything can be healed, can be realigned and integrated. Yeah. And then that's how a healer is born. And that's what a shamanistic, in the shamanistic worldview says that when someone goes through a mental health crisis, it's the invitation for a healer to be born. In many mm-hmm. villages in Africa, they actually celebrate when someone has a, when a, someone has a psychic break. When someone loses their mind, the village celebrates because they say, okay, this is now the invitation of the spirits for new information to arrive to a tribe. 
I think that there's definitely more that we need to do to welcome these sorts of experiences. And I think Western medicine has such a limited knowledge on them. You know, in, in a lot of cases, if you went to a doctor and said, well, I'm hearing voices, they would know they would not, you know, even consider some kind of mystical experience. They would automatically go yeah. down the route of, okay, this is a mental illness. We need to get you medicated. You know, are, you know, are, are you a danger to yourself? You know, considering all of those things. And mm -hmm. um, so I, Although I do life coaching, I do a lot of spiritual guidance readings and mediumship for people as well. And I had a lady come to me. Now, this was probably only maybe three, four months ago. So it's still quite recent. And one of the questions that she had asked me was just about her son's health. And she says, has he had the right diagnosis? And that's all I that's all she had asked me. And um my guide was showing me the um I, I think it's the DSM I think it's called but it's the the diagnostic tool that um is used uh, you know to to um to decide what mental illness somebody mm -hmm. likely has and she, mm -hmm. that's what I was being shown so I knew that it was something to do with mental health and she was telling me that he could fit into a couple of different brackets but it wasn't really an issue what it was labeled because actually the medication that he would be taking would be similar across all of them. So it was a bit of, it was going to be a bit of trial and error for the doctors to get the right medication. But then she started telling me, my guide, she started saying that this person was very, very connected to spirit and was communicating with angels. And her mm. mouth just dropped because she said at that point, he has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. So he had been diagnosed with a mental illness because of the voices and things that he was hearing. He was having such a strong, um, I suppose, reaction to it and trouble dealing with it. And automatically the doctors were just like, well, this, you know, this is a mental illness. You're experiencing, you know, an issue with your brain. Something isn't functioning properly. And right. that, that really concerns me. And I think that that's such a worry because as more and more people are waking up and having these mystical experiences, you know, you experienced it yourself. Where you're like, I, I don't really know how to talk about this. I don't know who to talk to about it. I was in the same position. I felt very, very secluded and very alone. Yeah. And it's it's just like, what what do what, what do people do or what should they be doing whenever they're having experiences like this rather than running to, you know, their medical practitioner? You know, I don't yeah. know. What advice it's, would you have for someone? You know, I think that integration is always the solution. And integration is not a simple this is integration. Like integration could mean that in one point in their journey there are a danger to themselves and they need medication to just find a little more balance. Now meditation uh, medication is gonna dull the whole experience. It's it's not gonna be a permanent solution. But it might give them enough stability to start a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And now while they're on medication and they have the stability to start meditating, they're building a different kind of stability. What and about now even maybe for somebody as... who what about even for somebody though who isn't maybe unstable but is having mystical experiences, is having some kind of experience where they're actually communicating with another realm mm -hmm. or a being who isn't of the physical body? you know but it's kind and loving messages like how how yeah. can people deal with that even i 
I would follow it all the way, like all the way, even if it shatters every aspect of what you believe to be true or right or wrong. And if it's a loving presence, and you can tell if it's not if it's a loving presence, you know, if it's a loving presence, it meets you in love. And and the intentions and purpose of the encounter is based on helping the planet, helping the galaxy, helping consciousness evolve into love. If that is the purpose of the encounter, then it can be fully trusted. That was the case for my presences that I encountered. And working with them was life-shattering. Like it, it, the kind of crazy things that I went through, it's it, it I couldn't have imagined. Like at some point, these light beings were showing me this figure eight, which was like some sort of merging project of fear and love, basically alchemizing fear on an intergalactic level. And and it was very much about this like merging into love. And to go, to get to that, it was like a two-week-long journey. It's probably time for another conversation. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying like that how, however your encounter, your connection presents itself, if it's based on love, trust it, follow it. And if it means that you have to confront some really terrifying things within yourself that are trying to deny the reality of your experience, so be it. Because we are all born into a culture that denies love, that denies God, and I'm using the word God to def not as a as one God that goes through one religion. I think all religions show our paths that we can follow into God, and that God is oneness of consciousness. Yeah, that God is unity, is love. And angels, or whatever you want to call them, guides, those are aspects of God that are like, like for example, the finger is part of the hand. Angels could be the fingers, and the hand could be God, or the arm could be God. Like, it's all a, a symbol of basically having an encounter that you can understand. Because just a blast of unity consciousness doesn't make much sense to you. But if it's a story they can relate to, you can have a dialogue with, um, a trusting connection, that's something that makes sense to the human experience. And that's, I think, the purpose of encountering angels or beings that like that. Yeah. And I would just say trust and faith all the way. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree, actually. And also, I would encourage people to seek out you know similar people like if you know seek out people that have had similar experiences whether you know yeah. you view yourself as a medium or a psychic or you know just like a spiritual seeker there will be people out there whether it's facebook groups on linkedin mm -hmm. on reddit different forums but there will be other people that you can reach out to and possibly even in your local community and it's something that people don't really talk about a lot and yeah. i find the more i started to talk about mine even with those people who were the naysayers and the skeptics of the world mm -hmm. there was so many of them that were saying oh actually 
you know, my dad had this experience and, oh, well, yeah, know. you know, my sister, yeah. like a, a very good friend of mine who I've worked with and been very good friends with for many, many years, whenever I first um, started telling him about the experiences that I was having, it actually transpired that his mum was a psychic medium <laughs> and had done this for years. So, yeah he wouldn't tell me before because he thought well that's yeah. a bit weird he was a bit skeptical but also I was worried that he was going to reject me in some way because I was having these weird experiences you know I'd previously been very in the corporate world we were both very driven and ambitious we started businesses around the same time as each other mm -hmm. and I was really worried about how he perceived me or how he might perceive me so mm -hmm actually the comfort that although he's a skeptic himself that he is immersed in this world and was from a very young age and I just was like oh my gosh like this is so common like all of these people having these experiences this is so common and the more mm. further I got I suppose down my path the less I started to worry about what other people thought and I started to just be so much more in my authenticity and yeah it's it, I found that very very freeing but it did take me a long time to get there. You know, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen overnight. It took a long time to yeah. come out of the closet, as it as it were. Yeah, when it, um, I mean, comes that's my awesome. spiritual awakening. Because, like, the fears that you overcome in order for you to be your authentic self, it creates a path for others to do the same. Yeah. Because then they're like, oh, like, look, she can live her life without denying this aspect of herself. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deny it either. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually an intrinsic part of being human. I mean, it's, it's yeah. only the last couple hundred years that suddenly humanity decided that spirits and spiritual realities are no longer part of our reality. Before that, thousands and thousands of years, spirits, gods, experiences like that were totally normal. Mm -hmm. And like in every tradition, becoming an adult, there would be some sort of initiation of of having those experiences, having space for those experiences, going through them, integrating them, bringing back new knowledge. So I think it's also part of like why humans are so anxious and depressed and feel so hopeless and purposeless because we, we as a culture cut off an aspect of us that gives purpose, that gives love, that gives creativity. So I think it is completely important to come out of the closet and embrace the spiritual reality and show that it's safe, that it can be yeah. done and that it actually helps you. It helps mm -hmm. you become more successful. It helps you be, step more into your life. It's just, you can be of a bigger service to the world when you're fully connected and integrated. Yeah, I completely agree. So you have two books. Mm -hmm. that people can find so where what are your books tell us a bit more about your books and where people um, can find those one here it's, it's called the sequence of latent truth mm -hmm. um yes, I have this blurry thing on you can't really yeah see can't really but see the, it but the it's point okay is, um it's called the sequence of latent truth it's about basically a rational path for mystical mm -hmm. experiences if you don't want to just subscribe to the hippies belief of the 60s or if you don't want to go into a prefabricated path, um, but want to go in with an open mind and integrate the findings of modern science and 
yeah, that book is for those kind of people that really want to wrap their head around it and also bring those people to a point of understanding what the limits of their thoughts are. Because if you want to go into a spiritual reality, that you are going beyond yourself. You're going to a point where your ideas and your thoughts can no longer fully encapsulate that reality. You're opening yourself up to the unknown or that which is beyond. But to get to that threshold, a lot of people need concepts, logic, understanding, and integration. So that book kind of provides that. My other book, The End of Fear, is kind of based on the topic that we were talking about earlier. Spiritual awakenings being mistaken for mental illness. It's about a homeless person who has a spiritual awakening and goes into the mental hospital. And there he has these crazy spiritual journeys and ultimate battles between fear and love, or good and evil. And basically he's learning to integrate fear and learning to commit more to love. But it goes through these multidimensional journeys where he like lives other lifetimes and parallel universes and tries to bring back that which he learned from those lifetimes. So yeah, that's the end of fear. It's a novel. And then I also have a board game which is about authentic relating. It's an icebreaker board game, but also a board game for people to have a spiritual setting with a board game. Mm-hmm. It's about breathing, it's about talking about challenging emotions, um, and it's about helping each other get out of emotional traps and find inner peace. And you can find those three things, my books and my board game, at wenzelmcgowan.org. Okay, that's brilliant. Well, Wenzel, thank you so much. It's been brilliant having you on today. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you could leave some feedback or rate the show, it would be a big help for other potential listeners. And don't forget to follow or subscribe so you receive a notification when I've added a new episode. You can also follow me on both Facebook and Instagram at Gemma Lonsdale Guru and the website is guidinglight.guru. Thank you.